You're listening to a production of Swanson Media. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Sullen Radio Weekly. I'm Joe Swanson. This episode of the show is brought to you by Sullen Clothing, Kingpin Tattoo Supply, and Inky's Tattoo Products. Check out SullenRadio.com for all the old shows and info on upcoming episodes. If you'd like to get tattooed by me in L.A. or San Francisco or to be considered for the collaboration piece that you're going to hear about on the show, please hit me up in an email at joe at sullenradio.com. As usual, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at OG Joe Swanson. This is Southern Radio Weekly, and this is my talk with tattooer Jeremiah Barba. This is Southern Radio with Joe Swanson, the premier art-driven podcast. Hey everybody, this is Joe Swanson. Welcome back to another episode of Selling Radio. I am pleased to welcome my guest today, Jeremiah Barba. How are you, man? Good, man. How are you? Dude, I'm great. You know, I just had a podcast before the podcast, you know, talking about a bunch of fun shit and, you know, stories and you saw a little piece of artwork that was hanging in my studio as we're Skyping here and um, that sent us on a little trail down uh, talking about Philip Lou and uh, a bunch of cool shit, man. It's, yeah, it's rad. History right there, you know. It is, man. And you, <laughs> you, you've been around it a long time. How many how many years you've actually been tattooing? And, and for those people that don't know, your mom's in the industry as well. And so you have an experience, even before you started tattooing, of being around this community and, and these folks and guys like Philip, who we talked about. And um, I'm excited to hear about some of that stuff, man. And I also want to just out the off jump street tell you man i'm so excited about your work it is you know i think unique and it's mixing these really cool styles that are that are hot right now realism and this kind of bio you know i wouldn't necessarily call it biomechanical because there's not as much of the mechanical part but the yeah, bio yeah. stuff the organic feel to it and creepiness you know it's it's pretty awesome man i love it Oh, thank you very much, man. I really appreciate that. You know, I'm just trying to set myself apart, you know, a little bit, but it's hard. You know, there's a lot of rad artists out there. A lot of these kids are killing it, you know, so I'm just trying to keep up, man. Like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a hard business now. There's a lot of good people and it's, yeah, you know, uh, I, I've been tattooing 17 years now and it's, it's definitely changed a lot since I started, you know, so it's just trying to keep myself relevant too, you know, like to keep busy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, a, it's awesome, though. You know, I learned a lot, obviously, from my mom, too, you know, uh, growing up around her and just trying to do something different than she did, too, you know. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's, it's great. I really appreciate your comments there, man. Uh, no problem. It's, it's definitely uh, heartfelt, and I see it. And, I mean, I'm, we're all looking at tattoos every day on Instagram and Facebook and, and these social media vehicles that we have now to promote. So yeah. it's, it's easy to see those things. Well, not easy to see, but you tend to notice those things that pop out and go, oh, wow, it's a little bit different. Like, it's a different spin on what's going on. And it is 100% difficult these days to do that and set yourself apart and have a style that, as I'm scrolling through my, you know, my two-by-two two feed on my iPhone, it yeah. pops out, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, it is. It's definitely, yeah, and it's like an instant access to everybody's work every day now. You know, so it's like, oh, man, he did what? You know, and you're just like, yeah, you scroll through there and you're like, wow, you know, yeah. just cool to see everybody. Yeah, how accessible it is now. Like you can just 
go on your phone and see everything everybody did that day from all across the world, you know? It's, yeah. it's pretty awesome. It, it is, man. It's, it's totally changed the game, I think, as far as, well, just like what you said, you know, it's different. When, when we started tattooing, how different it was, the way you had to promote, what the experience was. There's guys that, that do a tattoo tour these days, like go on the convention circuit and do that, but it was different it's different than what it was back then because back then you had a certain, only a certain amount of places you could go, which meant all the good people went to those and it was a lot smaller. And once the internet happened and and things exploded and the information is out there and you can connect with somebody in Iceland just as easily as you can connect with somebody in the next County over. So, you know, it it changed Uh, the game. It did change the game for sure. Yeah, the whole access is crazy. And yeah, there's a you can do the whole tattoo tour now, like be in a different state every you know, every week if you wanted. Like there's so many conventions now, you know. And but like wait, I touch on what you just said about like, you know, it used to be all the talent in one kind of place, you know, now it's like spread out, you know. So you're like, Oh, is that one gonna be good? Is you know, who's gonna be there kind of thing, you know? So it's hard to even tell which conventions are gonna be the awesome ones and stuff when you know, back in the day, it was a lot easier to know, okay, tattoo tour convention is going to have everybody, you know, or right. <laughs> anything like that, you know. So I it's think, cool. Yeah, I think you have those those premiere shows, those kind of marquee shows that everybody hits. Yeah, I saw you're going to London. Yeah, and that's, that's probably the premier one, you know, the best yeah. one, I think. I heard, I mean, I've, I haven't had the opportunity to go there yet and check that one out. I, I would love to. Um, you know, it's, I heard it's insane. It is it's insane, like three, man. Three, four like, levels or something. Dude, there's so many people outside, like on a Friday morning, that it's like lining up for an ACDC concert outside, you know? And usually in a Friday morning at a convention, you know, that's pretty slow. There usually isn't much of a line. But it wraps all the way down the street, and, uh, you know, and you got all the heavy hitters there. And uh, it's pretty rad, you know? It's very inspiring and cool place to be, for sure. Great convention. Yeah. How much traveling? Um, how much traveling in your career have you done? A, a lot. Do you tend to stay on a pretty steady schedule of of travel? Or I, I used to a lot, you know. And then um, just recently, uh, we just had a a baby girl, so we I kind of st- stuck around the last two years, you know, mm-hmm. while she was pregnant. While my and um, and then after, I just been kind of laying low. So now it's kind of like I'm just starting to get back into it. That's why I'm going to London again. And stuff because I missed that the last two years as well, and I kind of only been doing the Hell City shows the last two years. Uh-huh. So now I'm I'm starting to get back into it. But before that, I was doing maybe you know a good five or six shows a year and um, traveling a lot more. It was fun, you know. So I, I definitely missed that getting to see all my buddies at the convention. So it's time to get back to it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely fun. You know, you go. Out. I just got back from Palm Springs. Right. Um, which was the second year the show went. The first year, you actually did a collab piece that I posted on the Sullen Radio. At Sullen Radio is the Instagram for the show. You can check that out. It was a big collab piece you did with Josh Duffy, man. That thing killed it. Oh, thank you very much, man. That guy's rad. And, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot from working with him, too. And um, I hope he learned anything from me because he's so rad. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> but uh, he... Uh, you know, we uh, it's hard to do collabs with some people, and um, I've done some where it's 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 a battle a little bit. You know, um, you definitely have to meld a little bit, and we have same personalities, and um, you know, we we like met up the day before and had lunch, and we're like, okay, kind of just felt each other out a little bit because we had hung out a couple times, but it was more like, okay, how are we going to approach this? 
mm-hmm. you know, this and that. And then we start talking about the business of tattooing. And he has so many of the same views as I do or like someone's work he doesn't like. And I'm like, oh, I don't like his work either. You know what I mean? Like, so it's cool, you know, like uh-huh. we love this dude or that dude. And uh, man, did we, we want to do more of them too because we just connected so well on that that, you know, we have similar styles but different. And mm-hmm. so we can really meld them, man. And he, he's just a great dude. I, I really loved working with him, man. That's awesome, man. It's something that I'm definitely trying to do at least one collab piece by the end of the year. I talked with um, Leo Famasino, who was on the show, uh, spoke with him about it, and then spoke with him about it again at Palm Springs, and I would love to do, uh, I think we're going to try to hook something up, and maybe even, man, I just got into, I, I want to talk to you about uh, talk to you about this too, but I just got into digital, and Wacom uh, Technology sent me a Cintiq Companion too. I'm loving it, awesome. and uh, I've talked to them about shooting a little, feature video to to show some of the features of that um product and doing it with leo and doing a collab piece and and documenting that so if it if yeah man if anybody's interested hit me up joe at solenradio.com if you'd like to get involved in that project as a as a collector um and get a piece from me and leo famasino uh we're going to be mixing that you know i mean there's three possibilities well more than three (laughs) possibilities but he does the polynesian shit which is so sick yeah. Um, he does the lettering, which is, which he kills it with. And, uh, you know, I love tradition, mostly like Western traditional imagery. I like that bold style. Um, but I like mixing in recently. I, I've been enjoying mixing in more dot work stuff and I've been doing that for a lot of years, but, um, I've been trying to mix it in more and then patterns and sacred geometry, like Brad. not just the, the, design stuff from sacred geometry but like i I started using this golden mean caliper which is a yeah it's wild man and i turned greg james (laughs) that's cool (laughs) i turned greg james onto it too and he loves it because he's you know this is shit that da vinci was using and um people were using this ratio which it's like one to 1.618 so on and so forth to infinity right that's that golden ratio that people that have it's been said that is um, the most appealing to the eye. It's been used in architecture and um, artwork and uh, throughout the ages. So I started using that uh, about a year and a half ago or a year or so ago. Um, no, it was probably a year and a half ago because I gave one to Ryan Smith at Ink and Iron when I went down there oh, um, nice. the first year. And so I just put, started implementing it into my design process, man. And it was, I just love that. So man, mixing the things that I, the elements that I like in my tattooing with the elements that he likes. Um, it's fun to do that. Dude, I, I, I think so too, man. It's just, it's, it's that great. creative, gets that creative juices flowing. Totally, totally. And it's nice when you sit down with somebody and start doing that, you know. Um, mm. I see, uh, you know, some collabs nowadays, some of them are like not touching on what it kind of was before. Like a lot of people I see do them, they, they just make a stencil and then they just both fill it in. And it's like, um, well, you're not really like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not, right. you really got to join forces. And like, I remember Paul Booth and Philip Lou and them, you know, a lot of it was just off their head when they, they went in with a general idea. Then you free flow it a little bit. And, you know, and uh, it's really nice to see when people do that a little more than like, you know, just a portrait. Oh, we're collabing. We're doing a portrait. Well, you're you're not really. You know, you're just doing a paid by numbers, and you're both there. You know, like so. It's really about like you know getting a fusion of the art going and kind of on the spot like 
freehand and stuff or you know you use aspects of it but it's cool to see like when people like really venture out of their comfort zone like you're saying using different aspects of things and and especially linking up with somebody that does like Polynesian stuff I mean how awesome would that be mixing those two styles right. you know and that's what it's about right there you know it's really like you know branching out and doing something different that you guys couldn't do on your own you know and I, I love that about collab work talk about that experience of being able to see Philip and Paul do those do a collab piece now I think Jeremy told me that you have a back piece that was a collab or some big piece that's a collab from those two guys. I do. I have um I have my back, my whole back is done by Philip uh Philip Lou, uh Paul Booth and Guy Hitchson. Holy and, uh, shit. Yeah, and it was back when they first started doing them at the Tattoo the Earth. I think it was like 2001 or 2000, the first one um up in uh, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And I basically uh you know, I'd been saving my back. I really wanted Philip Lou to do it cuz he's like the back piece master, you know. And uh I I approached him at the New Jersey convention the, like 2 weeks before and I was like, "I really want you to do my back. Would you be into it?" And he's like, "Well, what about this?" And he's <laughs> like, "You know, how about we get Paul and Guy and we just do a collab on your back up in Massachusetts. I'm like, man, that sounds awesome. But I can't afford, I can't afford that, you know? And uh, he's like, well, let me talk to him and see what we can do. And they fully were into it and hooked it up. And they were just pretty much like, just tip us out. I was like, man, crazy, you know? So, Whoa. you know, two weeks later, I go to get it done. And, uh, yeah, it was like they put me up on the stage and drew it all on. Um, just, you know, freehanded it on with a bunch of Sharpies. And then... Uh, they had a whole booth set up to do collabs in. So, like, they just laid me out and started going for it, man. It was intense, you know. I had all three of them for, like, the first maybe hour, but it was it was torture. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't do it, you know. I was, like, having, like, shakes and everything. And, um, wow. But they were, like, you know, they were really nice about it. And I said, man, it's, it feels a lot better when it's just the two of you. So they they would just they would one person would kind of take a break and smoke or whatever and then they would just stand back and then they would switch off and man it was such a great experience you know they pretty much like shaded my whole back in one day and wow. then and then I had a couple other sessions with them like um, at Last Rides in New York and uh, a couple other places but it was just great to like hear them talking about it planning it you know sitting you know I'm I'm standing there so I could hear everything they're talking about like. Hey, let's flow it this way. We should do this, that, you know. And man, you know, it, it was crazy just watching them work together. And there's such three different styles, but the way the whole piece melded together, I, you know, you can't even tell, you know, who who did what, you know. And a lot of people try to guess parts, but they were all over the place. So it was really, really cool experience, man. You know, it hurt like hell, but it was awesome. <laughs> I bet, I bet, man. That had to have been that experience of being at that first. Um, a Tattoo of the Earth show where that whole idea, that fusion, art fusion that Paul and Philip kind of put out there, the excitement level to know that that was coming and know that, hey, we're going to this convention where this is the this is one of the priorities is to get together with people and create art together. And it's kind of a new, con- not a new concept, but it was a new concept in that format. Totally. And it had to have been electric being there and experiencing that. Oh, it was. It was crazy because everybody started doing them all of a sudden. You know, it was like you started talking to other people down the aisle, like your buddies. Hey, would you want to do one? You know, and they had all these booths set up for it. So it was just, it was, that's a great, like, description. It was electric. You know, you could feel it in the air, the art. Everybody was excited. It was a new thing. And people were just doing them all over the place, you know. And then it was like, 
a year later he did the other one the other tattoo that her shows and then it was like everybody was on to it and they were all over the place and it was just crazy to see all these different artists finally like kind of working together and not keeping their keeping their trade secrets you know what i mean and i think that was like what kind of started everybody learning you know like it, it seemed like after that point that a lot of the knowledge of tattooing like was spread out for everybody you know and i'm sure the internet and everything had to do with that too but it seems like everybody started getting better after that, you know, like just all the techniques that people would use, they're sharing it together and stuff. So it was like, it was a different experience for sure. It was all new. It was awesome. So there was a definitive increase in talent or, or a, maybe it was the approach, but you saw the difference. For sure. For sure. And I think, you know, it was a different approach, you know, it was a lot more like just right off the cuff, like, you know, we're going to do this and free handing. And it seemed like it really got, you know, like the, the industry just kind of blew up after that, like with talent, like, and you know, maybe that's not directly it. I'm sure the internet had a lot to do with that too. And what year was that first show? What's that? What year was that first show? I think it was 2001. It was either 2000, 2001, I believe. Yeah. So that was, that was only what, three years into the internet. So it kind of, I think it was starting to get its legs and people were starting i'm sure myspace was already available or very close to being available i don't know what the time yeah. front timeline is on that but man that was a perfect time to to spark that off i guess totally totally and you know and i, I really appreciate those guys like bringing it to the forefront you know paul and 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 philip and and guy you know they were really like in, inspired to bring it to the other artists you know and i thought that was cool man like you know and everybody was just working together and like in different styles like we were talking about just you know, you got the Japanese artists working with the, the Western, you know, traditional dudes. And it's just like, yeah, it's just cool to see the mix, you know. And I really think it inspired a lot of people in the industry. They were going home and I, w I went home trying to do collaborations with my buddies, you know. And that was that's what was cool, you know. Mm. It was rad to just get that spark again, you know. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when those moments in, in, in an industry happen and you can actually see movement um, in the either talent or the direction. And, um, we're in such a crazy time right now with so much happening and so much opportunity and, and it comes with a lot of bullshit too. You know what I mean? There's a lot more access that people have before, back when we started, you got into it by either, and you know, somebody vouching for you and, and they taught you or it was underground. You know, you, you bought your shit out of the back of a magazine from Huck Spaulding or whatever it was. And, yeah. um, you know, you went for it and then maybe tried to get into a shop. And if you were, if you were lucky, they'd take you on and not take all your shit because you'd been tattooing out of the fucking house. Totally. Totally. You know? That's so true, man. It was such a different approach back then. And now it's just like people just pick up machines, you know, right off the internet and just start going for it at home. And yeah, it's a, it's a different approach today. And for sure, like you're saying, we get a lot of bullshit too, you know, like, um, I remember a guy saying something at a seminar one time that I saw, and he said, you know, mainstream's going to start chewing us up, and at some point they're going to spit us out, you know? So I'm wondering when the spit-out's going to be, you know, because I'm almost looking forward to it, <laughs> you know, like to kind of bring this this art back down to earth a little bit. It's uh, the rock star mentality's getting a little too much for me, you know, and the TV shows and stuff. It, uh, I think that's where everybody's getting the idea like, oh, I could just do this, you know, and um, not going about the proper steps, you know what I mean? Like, not saying that I fully did the proper steps, you know, like I 
fucked around with my friends and didn't really, you know, take a, a legitimate apprenticeship seriously, you know. But after time, I realized how important that was when I couldn't tattoo well. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it took some right. time. You know? Yeah, it's um, talk about that time, you know, learning. What, what age were you, man, when you started started that first apprenticeship and and what were the steps that kind of led up to that you know having your mom in the industry and and people people are going to assume shit's handed to you right and we spoke about it before the podcast and um i want to be clear on on my opinion of this man i think somebody in your position has to be fucking working extra hard to get out from underneath that shadow of you know what this family member did and to take nothing away from those, those accolades, you know, those things that she did, but you have to set your own path. And, and I think you've done that. And I think that you've had to work extra hard to do that. So people don't say that shit like, Oh, it's just because your mom's in the industry, you know? Um, what was that? What was that first experience like for you being in a shop, having been around that shit for so long? Man, it was, you know, it's crazy. I grew up in the shop since, you know, I was like five. I think they opened Twilight Fantasy Tattoos. So I was in there every day after school, like every day. You know, she was there. She she worked harder than anybody I know. She still does, you know. And um, I remember, like, you know, all through high school, everything, like, I really didn't want a tattoo at all, you know. And uh, at a point in high school, we had moved to a whole different area. And I kind of was like, my garage had every piece of tattoo equipment you needed filing ca- like 20 filing cabinets just full of stuff like i'm talking like bags of machines <laughs> just one whole filing cabinet full of ink i mean she had it all you know so i was trying to meet new people and i was like oh yeah i do tattoos you know and uh i i took a couple needles from the shop you know and i was like <laughs> i just started tattooing some kids at the high school you know i started going to and yeah i was screwing people up you know i didn't even I, I never realized how much I didn't pay attention when I was around the shop my whole life. You know what I mean? Like, I even took one time to try to do a liner, you know. Uh, oh, I didn't have a liner, so I took a mag and, like, started pulling needles off of it to make a <laughs> liner. You know what I mean? Like, and it was the most janky lines you ever saw, you, you know. And I did probably, like, four or five tattoos. I think I was about 16. And uh, they looked just as bad as, you know, they were the worst, you know. And, um my mom came home early one day and heard the machine upstairs and caught me. And she was like, you know, that's it. Like, you know, I had to stop right then and there. And then she started locking up all the cabinets, and shit, you know, so I was done at that point. And you really, I only did it to meet people. I wasn't really inspired or anything yet. I kind of, uh, it took me a little time. Like I, 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 I didn't want to do it at all. You know, like I've been around a shop my whole life and it was like the farthest thing I didn't want to do, you know? Mm. And I could draw and everything, but it just wasn't my my passion. So, like, it took a while of, like, working some shitty jobs. Like, um, Taco Bell was, like, my first job, you know, and uh, Petco was after that. And it was, like, I remember a couple of the guys that worked for her were opening a shop up in Big Bear, Big Bear, California, up in the mountains. And uh, they were, like, my older brothers, you know. So they were, like, when are you going to stop slinging burgers, start slinging some ink? And I was, like, fuck, you know, maybe I should do that, you know. And uh, I'm, like, better money for sure you know and all that and so i moved up to big bear and kind of started apprenticing under them but uh once again i kind of got into a hurry of it and i had a buddy over from out of town and i was like oh yeah we should just tattoo you today while they're all at the shop i lived with them too so you know all this stuff was there again i started tattooing them they found out about it he was pissed you know like 
and basically they kicked me off the the mountain and told me, you know, that's it. You know, you you screwed your apprenticeship up. This apprenticeship up, you know. And I was like, damn. <laughs> so it was funny. So I moved in with my dad, and he had a shop from when my parents got divorced. She got one. He got one. He really didn't care anything about it. So he was like, sure, I'll hire you. And he never even looked at my portfolio. <laughs> I didn't even have a portfolio, you know, like, and he was just like, I'll hire you, you know, and uh, I was like, cool. So I just started tattooing people and I didn't even know what I was doing, you know, and I was jacking things up and it was, it was more for the money, you know, like, oh, you want a tribal armband? Sure. 200 bucks, sit down. And I'd fill it in as fast as I could to get the 200 bucks to go party, you know, and then they come back next week and it's all holds and, you know, just all patchy and just horrible, you know, and it was really bad for a while. And, uh, I kind of remember getting getting into it with my dad, and he uh, he fired me on the spot because uh, we got into an argument. It wasn't even my fault. He fired me on the spot. As I'm packing my shit, my, my mom calls, and she's like, I heard you got fired. I'm like, how'd you find out? You know, like She's like, yeah, your dad called me. And I'm like, oh, all right, cool. She's like, but good news is I'm going to hire you. And I'm like, wow, awesome. You know, like... It was just crazy, you know. I'm like, shit, all right, you know. So now I'm working for Outer Limits Tattoo, and uh, I think it was Orange was the first one I went to. And man, I was just screwing people up over there too. And a lot of the people I looked up to were there. Um, and I started hearing things from my mom. You know, they were calling her saying, "Hey, you know, he sucks. <laughs> he's making he's making us look bad. You know what I mean? And he's not taking it seriously. He's partying all the time." So it wasn't really till then that I actually sat down and started doing like a, she took me aside and started apprenticing me kind of for real. So, and then I started learning everything from the guys in the shop and just really started taking it seriously after that point because I looked up to those guys and I didn't want them to know that I sucked, you know, like, or think that I sucked, you know? So I was like, you know, and that's right when I got, I got sparked into it and everything changed. Then I was like, okay, it's all about the art, not the money, you know? And from that point on, it just it just yeah skyrocketed from there. You know, did you cool. do you start did you start going and traveling right away with uh, with Outer Limits when you were working at that shop and and start taking in that those convention experiences and um, or was that something that came a little later? Uh, probably a couple years into it, you know, like right when I got inspired, man, I was like finding my friends. I'm like, you want a back piece, you know? And then like I remember, and I used to be really more into like traditional. And, and full color work then. That was like kind of my, my inspiration. I really wanted to do that. And it was just something different from my mom too. Like she did a lot of realism and uh, Japanese work and stuff. And, you know, and she, she was like at the forefront of doing that kind of stuff at that time. So it was kind of like, okay, I want to do something different. So I would just find friends and um, I did a back piece on my buddy and uh, we were like, cool, let's start traveling. And I think it was about two, three years into being at Outer Limits. And then I did the I did a couple local shows in Long Beach, like Artistry and Inc. and stuff, back when those were going. And then I did a, my first like bigger show was the Philadelphia Eddies one out in, out in Philly, you know. And we won a couple awards for the back piece and stuff like that. And I was like totally surprised. And then, you know, from then on, it was like, okay, you know, we can, we can do this, you know, travel and start entering and stuff. And it was rad. But you know, at first it was hard to kind of, you know, yeah, I was stepping out there and like you touched on a minute ago, like about, you know, it's hard to get your, my mom's name got me my foot in the door, but it took a lot more for me to uh, really get the respect from those guys. You know what I mean? Like I was hanging out with Guy and all those dudes at the convention, you know, but 
I think it took a lot for me to prove to them that I was a good artist, you know, like it took a long time and a lot of learning from them for me to just start stepping out of my mom's, you know, shadow, of course, and kind of not writing her coattails, but I definitely used her name, you know what I mean? It got me in the door, but I had to, once I got into the door, I pretty much had to prove myself, you know, yeah. they weren't, they're tattoo artists, man, you know, they're a lot of hardcore dudes, you know, so they're not like a normal business. So they kind of like, they made me earn it, which was rad. Well, you've been spit out of a few doors before that, right? I mean, yeah. you know, that, that this was, did you think that this was maybe this last, the last ditch effort? I've gone through all my opportunities. Maybe I should buckle down. This isn't that bad. Let's, let's fucking crank this up and, and get into it. Yeah, that's totally what it was. You know, it was like, for sure, I was like full bore into it. We got to do it, you know, and there was one night I was hanging out with uh, Paul and Guy in a room and they kind of like, they were just like, go get your portfolio. I was like, oh, awesome. You know, I got all excited. You know, I bring it in and it, it was crappy. You know, I had a lot of like just flash stuff in there and stuff, you know, but I had some of my more custom, like traditional kind of stuff in there, you know, and so I sat on with Guy and we started looking through it like all night and this is like late night at the convention and, um, man, they just start, I go pick it apart, man. Like, tell me what's up, you know, and they were brutally honest and it was awesome. You know, it, sparked so much interest that I, I went home and like my style changed immediately, you know, because he's like, oh, think about doing these flame, these traditional flames, but with a more of a 2D effect, you know, instead of just like around a, a, a knife blade, you know, they can, they can actually wrap around it and look like that and just make it more dimensional, you know, my work. And I was like, wow, never thought about it that way, you know? So like they totally like changed it for me, like just doing those kind of things. And I, I started taking Guy's seminar and, you know, he had a lot to do with like shaping my work at the time, you know, and flow and everything like that, you know, and I, I really love Paul's work too, but I was doing more, I was doing more color work at that time, you know, and it wasn't until years down the road that I kind of changed that. Um, I think in just being in California, it's hard to do a lot of color work. You know, uh, we, I really got frustrated with spending like a hundred hours on a, like a, a reef sleeve, you know, and it's like, and then they go to the river and burn it up, you know, and you come back, I haven't even got a picture yet. And it looks like crap, you know, and mm -hmm. it's, it's just really hard in California to do color work. Cause we got the beach, the sun, everybody's out there doing their thing. So then it kind of changed a little bit and I started getting more into black and gray because it was easier to hold up in, in Southern California. So then I started venturing out of it and getting more inspired by that, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's pretty cool man with kingpin tattoo supply you'll get reliable customer service and quality products like slot lock needles dynamic ink and stencil stuff make your next order of tattoo supplies for yourself or your tattoo shop at kingpintattoosupply.com serving the tattoo community since 1996 kingpin tattoo supply order now at kingpintattoosupply.com it's interesting you know you're talking about um them giving you insight into design and things like that. It's, I think that's the, that that's a natural progression, you know, and it's a difference between sticking with a very simple traditional style and, and working in more of a stylized, you know, San Francisco. So what some people, when I came up they called it the San Francisco style of traditional, sure. which was very illustrative. And you see guys at the highest level, um, like Grime and, and Henry Lewis and those dudes killing it in that style. But um, it is. It's thinking about, okay, these flames, they can be flat and just be used as a border, or we can start developing 
dimension into it. And I, man, it's been a cool transition to see um, the industry go from, and even the idea of flash and artwork and what's hanging on the walls. I mean, um, we both saw it happen where the tattoo shop went from street shop to custom art yeah. gallery. And then it's been in all different forms up to this point where, you know, you have street shops with galleries in them, you know, um, but it's, it's how that's changed, you know, those San Francisco guys, man, you bring them up. I miss those guys. You know, they were some of my favorite artists, man. Marcus Pacheco and oh, yeah. Aaron King, you know, and oh man, Eddie Deutsch, all those guys were just killing it up there, you know, and, and some of them are still around, you know, but a lot of them, you know, you don't even hear about anymore, but they kind of like, yeah, and you're right. They totally started doing that that different kind of uh, traditional, you know, or it was just a little more illustrative, you know. It's pretty awesome, man. Those guys were definitely at the forefront, you know, of changing everything. Yeah, around, around that time, I remember being heavily influenced, taking a trip. That's when I did a, a trip. I was finishing up college. It had to have been around 98, and I took a trip out to San Francisco to do a guest spot at Erno's. And I worked with Greg Coles, and I worked with George Campisi, and... Um, Mandy Flynn and, and uh, Erno was there. Um, it was it was an amazing two weeks. I, I slept in the shop, in the upper part of the shop, and er Erno slept in the little, his little, um, what was it? It was like a little tattoo museum that he had flash and different stuff over off to the side of the waiting area. And I went and sat down with, um, Gold, up at Goldfields. Um, so one of the nights I... Chuck Eldridge and his apprentice at the time rode their bikes from Berkeley over to San Francisco to have dinner with me. So we ate dinner and then he said, hey, you got to get around the city, you know, go see Henry, go see this guy, go see that guy. And uh, yeah. just tell him, you know, just tell him I sent you over there because I used to go and sit with Chuck in Berkeley. Shit, man, even when I was a cop, I drove my, my police, I was working in like this commercial section of the highway patrol. And so I had, a, I had a truck and I was full uniform. I'd go over and I'd park uh, down the street from his shop, go and walk in and sit in, sit in Chuck's shop with them. And we'd go have a sandwich across the street. And so when I was there in San Francisco, he said, man, go see Henry. So I went and I'd sat, sat with Henry and talked with him about, you know, St. Paul, Minnesota. Minnesota is where I'm from and being Lutheran and all sorts of funny shit. And You're from St. Paul, Minnesota? I'm not from St. Paul, but I'm from Minnesota. I lived... Uh, oh two hours northwest of Minneapolis, St. Paul, in a little tiny town um, of under 600 people called Bruton. Oh, okay. I yeah. Was, I was born in St. Paul. So oh, no shit. Yeah, yeah. My mom was from there, too, and that's where she started tattooing, was in Minnesota, and then we moved out here when I was, like, two years old. So that's pretty <laughs> Yeah, man. I went from, I mean, I was there. I was living in Minnesota when I did that trip and did that guest spot, and um, I subsequently, I finished up school there and um, college. I got a business degree. And then went back and worked, at, got a job at Picture Machine in, oh, right. in, in 99, came back and worked for um, Guy Martin Oak there at Picture Machine. And that's when I would roll up to, on that little guest spot, I remember walking around, went to Tattoo City and tried to sell some shitty, my first set of Flash to all those dudes in there. I'm sure it was like Chris Kahn and Eddie Deutsch and, you oh, know, all yeah. those dudes. And, <laughs> um, and then when I came back and I was working at Picture Machine, that was when Eddie opened up 222. Right. Primal Urge was there, so Whitehead and I think Scott Sylvie was still up, um, right up the street from, I mean, that's right up the street on Geary from, from Picture Machine, so I would uh, jump on, dude, so so funny, um, 
thinking about all these names and these people now and what they're doing, but I would jump on Scott Campbell, who works out in New York. Um, uh-huh. I would jump on his motorcycle that he got, and he just lived up the street too. Um, and I would zip up to Primal Urge, and I would go up there, and I would hang out, and I would look at the portfolios, and I would talk to anybody who wasn't working. And um, Man, it was a fucking fun time. It was a fun time. Yeah, that's cool, man. Like, yeah. I was only like, shit, like... 16, I think, when I went to those shops up there, you know, and I, I went up for a San Francisco tattoo convention, and uh, I was, um, so a lot of the guys from my mom's shop went to go work the convention, and they were all going and getting tattooed by Aaron Kane and yeah. uh, Marcus and them, so I'd tag along and watch, and man, the shops were amazing, you know, and uh, that whole tattoo thing up in San Francisco, it's a, they, they go by a different beat, you know, and uh, I've always really respected that, and they're still doing it, and that's what's pretty cool is, they kind of got a tattoo community up there that's still kind of untouched. Like they're well known, you know, but they stay out of the mainstream crap, which is awesome, you know. And I, I love that about San Francisco and those artists. You know, everybody knows who they are, but they're not like way out there to where all the public knows who they are, you know. And I, I've always respected that about that scene up there, you know. They're it's really tight knit community, you know. Yeah, it's interesting to be a, a part of it and still go back there today having been a part of it and still go back there today and see that that's kind of still the same idea. They do stick on that seven square miles or whatever it is of San Francisco. And, um, yeah, they get out and guest spot and do different things, but their, their community of, of collectors and clients are just being pulled right from there. And it is weird. It's kind of a weird, um, a weird kind of vacuum right there. Um, but, and you know, it's interesting because I, I see the difference being up here in, um, in a small, you know, I live in a town at Lodi, just south of San Francisco or south of Sacramento, 65,000 people. And you see the difference, the tattoo vibe up here and, and the culture up here. And you see the difference that a LA or a San Francisco or a New York has. And I mean, it's, it's wild the di- you know, how different it is. And yeah. how much, you know, there's a, I don't know, not a separation, but there is still is a huge um, gap between the street shop guys that are tattooing soccer moms and the high end kind of um, high fashion tattooing, I oh. guess, for lack of a better word, but guys that are really taking it to another level, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Huh? Like the differences are, yeah, it's extreme, you know, and. It's weird, like, yeah, San Francisco is really saturated with a lot of good artists, but there's a lot of, you know, the, the street shops, like you're saying, too. And down here, it's the same, you know. It's a, uh, there's a high, uh, there's a lot of good artists in this area. It's crazy, you know, like, within, like, 10, 15 miles, you know. I'm like, damn, there's, you know, Carlos Torres and that whole timeline gallery, and those guys are just killing it, you know. And uh, there's so many people around here. It's, it's, it's hard, you know, it, being a... I guess what you call a high fashion, <laughs> a high fashion tour artist, you know, you got a lot of competition in these areas, you know, it's crazy. Yes. It, it is. I mean, and that's, it's, uh, it's the, that idea of what used to be in your community or in your city, four five, six shops, that was your competition. Yeah. Now your competition is individuals that are, you know, very much. And it's so many more, you know, it's just a, it's a crazy, it's a crazy time. It's a fun time though, you know, it um, is, it is, you, you know, you're staying, you've stayed on kind of the cutting edge of equipment and things like that. 
talk a little bit about you use the Cheyenne as I can tell through um, you know seeing you at conventions and then um, looking at Instagram and shit. Are you still on that equipment and how do you like it? Um, you know when I first tried the Cheyenne, I re I absolutely loved it. You know um, I. I was having a lot of problems with my hands, just swelling every night and everything from, because uh, Aaron Kane machines have always been my favorite. He builds, uh, you know, great machines and he's such a great dude that he would like custom do them for me and everything. So I love my Aaron Kane machines, but it was getting to a point where my hands were just swelling all the time and just, uh, they just hurt, you know? So like when I tried the Cheyenne, it was like, whoa, this thing's so light and nice. And it was more like holding a paintbrush, you know, I could really just not worry about it anymore and uh, it, the only thing that was hard to do was you know, learning how to line with it because I was so used to the weight of a regular machine so when I tried to line with it it was all of a sudden like whoa okay I gotta re relearn how to the balance you know and then uh, so I started using that for about a year or so and um, I just now started using an injector machine Okay. and, and I, I tried that when me and Josh Duffy did uh, that back piece together he had them and uh, I said, try this out, man. And I, I used that, and I couldn't believe how much it felt like a coil machine for being, you know, what it was, like a rotary. But it had that spring in it, and um, I could just bury it in, and like it would, it sounded and felt like a, like a, like a real tattoo machine. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it felt like that. You know, you could really, really, like put it in there. Unlike a Cheyenne, doesn't have any give to it, so. You had to really watch it, you know, but I could do more with the Injecta, I felt now. So I, I kind of switched that up a little bit mm -hmm. and started using that now. And um, I still really like the Cheyenne for certain things, you know. And uh, But uh, I tend to, for my black and gray work, I, I love the Injecta, you know. And I've been just trying a lot of stuff lately, you know. Uh, I was sponsored by a lot of, um, like, by a lot of companies, you know. And uh, just actually two weeks ago, I kind of emailed them all and said, you know, I still love your products, but I'm... Um, I'm just kind of done with the sponsorship deal. You know, I, I got tired of like feeling guilty when another product would come out and I wanted to try it. And I think as a, an artist, you know, we need to be able to try anything we want and not, I don't want these companies to be mad. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, not saying that the other product I tried was better, but you know, it was just more of an integrity thing that I was kind of at the point now where the sponsorship thing has become such a big deal with all this new equipment and the way the companies are running it. I, I just uh, felt it was time for me to just stop it, you know, and, um, you know, and some of the stuff I'm still using, which is, you know, so I always love the products I use and I'm sponsored by, and that was awesome, but it's just like, yeah, if, uh, you know, this other company comes out with a new machine, I want to be able to try it without them getting mad, and I don't want them to be disappointed in me using it, you know, like, oh, I like it better, you know, you can't use it because we give you free stuff, it's like, so I was... I kind of just uh, came to that conclusion and emailed them, and everybody was really, really cool. A lot of them are my friends, so it was awesome, you know. But it was just something to just wanted to change up, and the business has gotten so weird with these sponsorships lately. It's like people are like Ricky Bobby of tattooing, you know. Like it's just gotten crazy, you know. And um, I felt like shit, man. Like I grew up, I was kind of a punk rock kid, you know, and against the grain, and I never wanted to be like a, a commercial, you know. Like, and that's what it kind of started feeling like even for myself you know my banner's got all these sponsored names on it and everything and uh i just kind of was like yeah it's time to like kind of make a statement and just change it up a little bit you know um a lot of artists like uh, that i've worked with over the years too like kind of felt like that was a goal of theirs was to be sponsored you know and they would call certain companies and 
hey, uh, why won't you sponsor me? And then they get mad if they say no. Like, they'd be like, who are you? You know, like, you haven't done anything yet. You don't deserve to get sponsored, you know? So they would get mad and then not use the product. So honestly, you never really liked the product anyways, you know? So it's gotten kind of out of hand, man. And I, I, I just felt it was time to kind of not do it anymore, you know? It's just gotten weird. I think that it is something that will also hit its stride. You know, and, and it's got this influx of, I mean, it's so new. Like, it is, it is so new. You know, I, I have sponsors for the show and for myself as an artist. Um, you know, Kingpin's a, a, a big one because yeah. I developed, Bill over at Kingpin hit me up in 2009 to sell my DVD, you know, and I've developed that relationship over the, over the years. But even talking to them about sponsoring the show, it's like so new that you know figure people, everything out. Uh, companies are still getting their legs you know getting their legs in this so, industry right now and i think that that influx of excitement or influx of interest in sponsorships and things like that i think it will always be an aspect of this business because we're not going to we're not going to digress i don't, you know i don't think but yeah. i think it's going to companies are going to realize hey what are we going to what do we actually how are we going to run this and they're going to get their legs about it and but interestingly enough, this is something that Josh Duffy said when I spoke with him on the podcast. We were talking about equipment, and I think there's this idea, and I even thought some of this, before he said this, man, I've been pondering this since he said it, um, that you can have any equipment, whatever machine you want, and I think there's this idea that if I get the right machine or if I get this right equipment, that it's just going to you know, boost my tattooing, and not that good equipment or the right stuff that feels you feel comfortable with isn't going to do that because I think it will. But he says it's about the application. Oh, for sure. You know, and it's an idea that is so simple that we should be thinking about, but we give so much more credence to equipment as opposed to application. And if you apply it right and you can educate somebody to heal it right, it doesn't matter whether you use the Mickey Sharps coil machine from 1999 that's tuned up or a, you yeah, know, a, a Bishop Rotary or a Neotap machine that's from 2015, you know? So true. It's so true. I mean, that's that's touching it right on the head right there, you know? It's like that. that's mainstream America, mainstream, you know, with everything, I guess, you know? That's what sponsorships are, and not even just in our business, but anything. Oh, okay, he uses that. I can do that. You know what I mean? Uh, that motorcycle rider uses, you know, a Honda, and I could do that backflip if I use a Honda too, kind of thing, you know. And right. it's and it's definitely become that. And a lot of artists, I think, do think that the ones that are trying to learn, you know, oh yeah, he uses this ointment or that ointment. Oh, that must really make a difference, you know. And no, I'll use A and D. A and D. It's still going to say and do the same thing, you know. Maybe I just like this other ointment because it's natural and healthier or something for people, you know. But that's so true. It's all about application and learning, you know. Um, I, I could switch right back to coil machine and be fine, you know, of course, because they're, they're the original, you know what I mean? So, you know, they're, there's always the battle of that, too. But <laughs> there's um, that's going to – I think eventually that sentiment is going to subside as well, you know. There's this – gosh, it's so funny. It's one of the – I don't know if it's one of the last thing battles, equipment battles that people have, but, you know – Eventually, people stopped making their own needles other than out of nostalgia and because it was more efficient. Eventually, people are going to gravitate to the tools that work and that's going to evolve and, 
You know, it's... Sure. I don't think looking towards the future, we have to... Is any disrespect to the past. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that we can have these ethics and these morals and these artistic goals that um, tattooing has maybe taught us, in the, you know, over the last 50 years, but we can still look to the future and embrace technology and... You know, I, did you see the Facebook uh, uh, video of the guy drawing the mandala on the um, Wacom tablet? Yeah, that was crazy. Crazy, right? It's so yeah. simple. It's like a uh, that product, the, the Cintiq. battle with all the time, and now this dude just does it in like two minutes. Right. It's crazy, <laughs> yeah. right? And yeah. there was so much controversy and, and comments. If you read that feed, man, it was crazy. Comments, no. It's, it's interesting how people are so against that because it makes it look so easy and there's a faction of people that are, oh, it has to be hand-drawn and this and that and it's taking the magic out of it. and Well, you are wanting to get the best possible product at the end. The product is not the process. The product is the tattoo. So true. The process gets you there. So if I can make a better drawing, more efficiently, with less headache, that's going to translate to a better stencil and ultimately give this person a better hand done crafted piece of art on their body, then fucking why am I not doing that? You know what I'm saying? That's what I, yeah, yeah, that's so true, man. I mean, even with the machines, you know, like I was saying, like, you know, my mom started getting like arthritis and carpal tunnel and she could only tattoo for like three hours a day with a regular machine. Mm -hmm. She's discovered the Cheyenne. Now she's, She's tattooing full days again because yeah. her hands don't hurt. And so it is all about the, the final product, you know, with the drawings too, man. Whatever makes it easier, Photoshop, whatever, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. You got to use the tools that are available. And I think, you know, like we were talking about before, like as artists, we're going to use anything like that. You know, a, a Mandela is a hard-ass thing to draw, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not. So to make it perfect for the client, I mean, that's what the end result's all about, you know, is for them really. And if it... If it makes it easier and and perfect, then cool. You know, why not use it? You know, right. it, it, you could still do things like freehanding and stuff around it and making it your own. Still, you know, it's it's all about the the artist doing it. I think and their spin on it, really. You know, not right. the not the Wacom's not going to tattoo it for you. You know, <laughs> right? Exactly. And there's no there's no um, you know sure line button I can press when I have the tattoo machine in my hand make this perfect fucking line, you know, like, like I do on the, on the unit or on the Cintiq unit. And, you know, ultimately, I mean, again, it's a tool that we can use. What, are, however you want to use that, if you want to lay out a, a sketch beforehand on tracing paper, scan that into the, the device and then draw the perfect one over it. If you want to draw right on that, you know, the sketch that you would do on tracing paper, you can draw that right on the Cintiq too, you know? So I think it's a good, I think it's a great tool. Um, I've used it now for a couple weeks, so I have, and I've I've used different digital platforms before. The, I've I've been on the Cintiq um, prior to this. I've uh, been on the an iPad with uh, a real shitty pen, yeah. um, and, and I've I've now graduated to this Cintiq. And there is a bit of a learning curve, you know, with what you're what you want to use and. Um, the tools that you want to draw, you know, programs that you want to use. There's some guys like Russ Abbott is all, you know, very into the Manga Studio program. Um, my buddy Matt Hodell and uh, my buddy Steve Johns, who's down south as well, and Curtis Gibson, they're into Sketchbook Pro. 
you know. So it's yeah. I think it's finding what works for you too once you get the something like this in your hands and um, the price point's coming down to a point where it's it's be affordable for everybody. It is getting there. Absolutely. I think yeah, that you know, I mean shit, artists used uh, what, circle tracing things and compasses and right. you know what I mean? Like when I was growing up, you know, all the dudes in the shops had, you know, the circle templates you needed for a perfect circle. I mean yeah. it's the same thing. Yeah. You're just using tools that are available. Uh, and the older artists used compass. You know what I mean? Like so why didn't they freehand draw that? You know? <laughs> so right. it's you need those tools to do the right job, you know, and more tools, like you're saying, more available. It's awesome, you know, and the Wacom thing is just blowing up like crazy, and I would love to try one. I'd look at, it's funny, you know, on like Safari on my phone, you know, I have a window open that stayed open for like a year that is their store. Like one of these days, <laughs> I wanted to get one, you know, and I keep it open on purpose because I, I see all these people using it, and um, it just looks interesting. It looks like something I could totally sketch with. And and just get a better final product out of my tattoo if I used it, you know. But I, I've been, you know, I always read comments about it and everything. So I'm always like, oh, should I buy it? Shouldn't I, you know? And like, it's all, it's a, it's an investment for sure, you know. And so I'll get to the point soon where I'll, I'll get it going, you know. And I've been meaning like to do those those classes you're talking about, like Russ Abbott and them, you know. They do all those classes at the conventions, and I'm, I've been meaning to just sit down in one and check it out before even buying one. Right hard you know when you're there you, i'm working solid and it's like yeah. on thursday it would be fine <laughs> you know what i mean right. like, they did that um they did that uh the whackham weekend if you if you want to listen to the, the bonus episode i did with russ abbott um for the show um you can do that that's on the soundcloud and itunes feed and um, stitcher radio feeds uh, also on the website check it out sonradio.com uh, but he talks about that that whackham weekend how it was received and I think you're right, man. I think that um, any artist that could get onto one of these units and can draw for a few minutes with somebody there that is going to say, all right, here, this is this program. You want to set this file up this way right from the beginning. Um, now you're in there. Here's the tool that you want to sketch with. Sketch with. Keep it simple to what tattooers do. I'm going to sketch with a, a pencil that's kind of red in its, in its uh, color. And then I'm going to layer a new layer over it. And then I'm going to layer a new layer. And That's so rad you could do that, you know? It's just, what? It's pretty know, cool, man. Doing it online, you know? And here and there I'll ask random questions on Instagram or something. Like, hey, uh, what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of pad are you using? Or what is it? You know what I mean? And Because mm. uh, there's some people on there that I'm like, uh, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that guy, Mr. Dist. Dude, one of my favorites, man. That guy kills so, it. work is just incredible you know and to see him translate into a tattoo i'm like that's what i need to do you know because you can kind of like you know when i draw for tattoos usually it is on tracing paper or something or just regular paper and i just do a sketch and i don't lay out the shading or anything you know but on that thing it looks like it's so easy to kind of like yes. mess with the shading and i can get my lighting down and everything and not be halfway through the tattoo and be like uh in my head like i screwed that lighting up oh shit you know what i mean right like, <laughs> exactly, and that's you know I use it for that on this piece that I did um, the other day. It's kid, here's a, here's a perfect example, man. Kid, I'm I'm in more of a street shop, a little less time for preparation and shit like that. Um, where where I'm at here in Lodi, and so kid calls me the day before. Hey, I want to get in the next day. I'm in the military. I want you know I'm going to be leaving, but I want a half sleeve. 
you know, and it's uh, not the under not the underside, but just the outside portion, um, but full on, capped off and all the way down to his arm. He's a big kid. Um, and so I'm like, all right, well, let's do it. Send me what you want. It was uh, a figure off of an album cover. Chiodos uh, is the band, I think. And it was this crazy, creepy looking dude with an orc uh, in this boat, standing in this boat in a cloak, you know, he's, um, and so I needed to do background. So I, I have him send me a picture of his arm. I lay that in there. I have him send me a picture, you know, I had the picture of the image that he wanted that had no background on it. I laid that in there. I had to adjust that, you know, to get it to sit right on the arm. Yeah. Um, I, the next morning I found uh, out how to take the oar and turn that a little bit because the oar was almost as wide as the piece was tall, you know? And uh -huh. so you had, I, I turned it in his hands. Um, and then I needed to do some background. So I was, I just hit another layer and I grabbed the airbrush and I just started playing with what I wanted it to do. Is it going to be clouds? Is it going to be, I ended up doing like trees and um, kind of swampy look, you know, uh, which was, which was pretty fun and, and turned out good. But because I had fucked with it on the Cintiq the night before, I ended up freehanding that, stenciled the figure on and then freehanded the rest of the background on because I already knew what I was doing with it. Totally. It's so. just, yeah, man, it's such a great tool. That is cool. Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, it makes it easier, you know, you're yeah. like, like you're saying, you can adjust things right on the spot. Oh, okay. That's going to fit better. You know, cause sometimes you need to do that. And you know, I remember, you know, I still do like a lot of the old school way of like, okay, I'll, I'll cut out the hand part and then I'll put that stencil on separately so I can, you know, so you got like four or five multiple stencils to get something right that you could now just adjust on the computer and just do the full stencil in one, you know, yes. which is rad. That's, yes. you know, and it's just making your job easier, man, as an artist, and it makes a tattoo better. And I don't think that's wrong at all. You know, I think that's really cool. You know, I mean, I, I know some people look down upon the whole technology thing, but it's just like anything, man. We're progressing in everything we do, cars, everything, you know, so. Yeah. You got you got to use what you can do, you know. No, nobody's right. nobody's using, uh, you know, a, a, an original Jonesy machine anymore, you know. No. no, it's because we've advanced, you know. So we're here. This is where it's rolling. This is what we're doing, and either jump on board or the market is so dynamic that you can be a nostalgic, you know, I guess categorized maybe as a nostalgic tattooer. Yeah. And use coil machines and do hand, you know, do hand done stencils and all that. And that's great. You can make it your way in this industry that way. Totally. You know, it's open for anybody. Any tool you want to take into your process, you can. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. You yeah. know, it's it's uh, so it's so open and dynamic now that we can we can shape our own paths. And uh, I think that's really exciting. It is, it is, you know, and for anybody like that that isn't using that stuff, it's like, they don't need to, like, talk shit about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're just using it because we like it. So who cares if I'm using a rotary or a coil machine, you know what I mean? Like, if the application's still there and the tattoo looks good, it doesn't matter how I got to that point, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's, it's funny, though, because even, like, it gets stuck in our head. We get stuck in that mentality because even when you're talking about going to... Um, you know, how you describe the Cheyenne, you're like, it doesn't look like a real machine, you know, a real tattoo machine. What's a real tattoo machine? It puts ink in the skin, you know, it, but the idea is that a real tattoo machine was what was originally created and it's, 
that that it, it, as close to that as possible, but it's not yeah, the case. Hand poking, man. So why it does you know what I mean? Then yeah. use the poke if you're that nostalgic about it. Right. Then go back to the hand poke. You yeah. know what I mean? Like because honestly, probably a lot of those artists when the first tattoo machine came out were like, screw that. You know, like a lot of the Japanese dudes kept using hand pokers. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's 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 a crazy thing how that all you know. But it trips me out on how angry a lot of people get about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of you know. And a lot of the traditional guys, I, I don't know if I should just put a label on them that it's the traditional guys, but a lot of the traditional artists a lot of times will like talk shit on my style of work because, oh, it's not going to hold up and blah, 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 blah. Well, I have traditional tattoos all over me that are fading just as much as the other ones. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like if the application's right in any tattoo, it, it's going to fade over time anyways, um, but the application has to be done right, you know, and realism or anything for it to hold up, you know, and yeah. I've never seen a 70 year old dude that his traditional tattoos look awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, right. Hey, well, man, well, you know what? Rick Walters talked about that when I interviewed him um, down at, uh, at, you know, at he's, right across, he's right across the street. From That's me. right. Jeremy told me that, man, I need to make it down there, dude. And um, hopefully, like I said, I'm trying to set that trip up. Um, might get one more trip to Southern California if if we get the response on on doing that um, collaboration and and book some appointments down there. But I just want to go down there and make make the rounds, man, and, and say hi to everybody. Rick's invited me to his place each time I see him, and um, but uh, I lost my train of thought. What I was going to tell you about I'm touching on um, the whole oh, the the aging, aging stuff, you know. Yeah, and aging. he was talking about. Um, classic shit, man. If you if you haven't listened to that interview with Rick, man, you gotta people go out there and listen to that. Check that out because he <laughs> says some funny shit in there, and he was just talking about how um, fine line and and how it was how it developed, and when you use a a, a five liner, the reason they used littler liners back then is because they knew in fifteen years that line is gonna grow, you know, and you needed to have room well he, he's like now these guys are using 11 rounds and there's these fat lines and he goes what do you think's going to happen you know in and i'm paraphrasing what's going to happen in in 20 years he goes that's a that's a quarter inch line bud you know for and sure it's um it's pretty I the same thing when i see some of these guys doing that now you know the that more style like they're using these big fat lines and i'm like man like because i have a five liner traditional on me that's you know, the lines are a lot bigger now, you know, so I couldn't even imagine how that would be later, you know, like yeah. start trembling together, you know. Sure. I think there's, I think, again, not, not unlike the sponsorship idea and the equipment idea and, and all these things that are moving so quickly, tech, technique is moving quickly, too. And people are in this moment where they're trying to figure out what, again, what works with the new with what's new and available and this idea that anything can be done. And, and so, man, we're going to see, I think, I think I've said it before to somebody on the podcast, we're going to be able to see almost date tattoos to this time in this era, because there's so much experimentation going on. Yeah, it's so true. There is so much experimentation going on, you know, just with all the different styles, how it's going to hold up. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, um, the whole color portrait boom, you know, how are those going to hold up? Um, yeah. It'll be nice to see some of that stuff in another, you know, 10 years or so, you know? I and think, yeah, I think that um, guys like, with that particular 
genre of tattooing. I think guys like Mike DeVries and Nico, mm-hmm. people watch those guys work those things out. You know, nowadays, and, and that's a difference. Back then there was one, two, you know, half a dozen guys in the world that were trying that stuff and really working those, what's going to happen when I do this tattoo now and five years later, I'm still doing this style and I'm developing it over this next five years or 10 years or 15 years. I'm yeah. still going to be in touch with that person. I, I want to do the best tattoo that's going to hold up the best over the course of time. How do I do that? And so nowadays, I think I think the color portrait stuff, people are, the guys at the highest level, understand that idea of this has to age and you Same. have to... Everything like that. Yeah, it's so true, you know. You know I think they've got that figured out too, you know. Uh, and everybody's, like you're saying, now it's accessible. So now people can learn from those guys, and and that's what's great, you know, is you can learn, okay, don't do that. You know, <laughs> like you watch these guys' seminars and DVDs and everything. It's amazing the, the information at hand, you know, and and those guys are definitely, like, taken to another level, you know. And I've, I've seen, um, you know, a lot of Nico's work yield in this area because I'm, you know, not too far from him. And a lot of it looks great still, you know, so that's, that's a huge thing, you know, and uh, – uh, another one, you know, uh, my favorites of that kind of style is Paul Acker, and I've been really tripping out on just um, his approach to it too, you know. And I see a lot of his pieces in the convention circuit, and I'm just blown away. Like he's amazing at it, you know. And uh, it's really cool to see those guys, you know. Um, they've kind of figured it out, you know. They started doing it a long time ago, and now they're like, okay, that didn't work that much. Uh, let's go this route, you know. And that's cool. And the whole artistic thing they're bringing to it, you know, um, just as far as like color palettes and things like that it's just it's changed so much it's crazy yeah the tech tech like we've talked about the technology the tools the equipment the application everything's changed and and moved forward um do you think that that we're going to see people like um philip lou and paul booth and these guys that put out these huge i mean even you know contemporary guys like Jeff Bogway who's putting out these huge body of work that are body suits and setting themselves apart. Do you think with the influx of so many more people in the industry that is that, are we still going to see these guys emerge like that? And, or where do you see that this thing is going? Like as far as what, like they're going to, well, just being able to put out that kind of big work, like body that. of work, like, 17 back piece, you know, 25 back pieces that you see laid out, you know, um, yeah. full, full body suits, you know, that kind of stuff. I think you still will see a lot of that. I think it depends on the artist. Like once you start putting it out, people want it, you know? So like I've done a lot of back pieces and I think it's because a lot of people see them and they're like, Oh man, I want you to do my back, you know? So, and then as an artist too, I know, you know, probably a lot of times you could, talk people into like going the full bore, you know, like Jeff Gogway, you know, oh, let's not just do a back piece, but let's bring it down past your ass, down to your knees, this old style, like, you know, it's going to look much better. And I think a lot of that's on the artist is just like getting people into it too, you know, pumping them up being like, you know, this is going to be epic. You got to do it this way. If you're going to do it, let's go the full nine, you know, and I think you have to educate people too and show them examples and getting somebody to go and, and you can prop, you can speak on this much much better than I can, but getting somebody to go from that back, you know, the upper, lower back, upper ass, 
and then through the ass. There's something about getting them, getting them to go either through the ass or all the way back down to the back of the knees. It's like taboo territory or some shit. Like, yeah. I'm going to let you tattoo my ass or, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it is hard, you know, but uh, I've only done a couple of them too, man. It has been hard to talk people into that, you know, and uh, to get the whole yeah ass cheeks done and everything. And a, a lot of people, it's just like, oh, I heard that hurts. I don't even want to do that, right. you know, and uh so it is, it is a little hard to talk people into that for sure. I don't get as many of those. Like I think when I was like doing back pieces maybe 10 years ago, I got a few more of those, you know, but it seemed like every time I did do one like that, it was more like on a friend, you know, um, not like a client, a random client, because it was easier for me to talk my friend into it and being like, you know, and they saw it too going to conventions. They're like, oh, yeah, it looks way better when it goes down past there, you know, and um so now it's it's a little harder to get people to do that, you know. I think uh, a lot of people too. It's a lot of pain to not really be able to show it off. You know what it's I mean? It's crazy, like, right? The back piece you know, is one of those. Show your ass off everywhere. You know what I mean? So yeah, <laughs> unless you're like fully covered, then that's like the last territory, you know? Right. Well, that's um, that's uh, it's like the back piece, you know, it, even worse than the back piece because yeah, you're right. You don't even that whole section of skin doesn't show at all ever unless you're you know walking around naked um you know but uh where the back piece is like a lot of pain man to go through to get the biggest tattoo you probably ever have and you don't see it you see it the least of all of them that you have <laughs> yeah that's very true it's very true i never get to see my back piece you know no. i look at half of it in the mirror and the other half <laughs> and i'm like oh okay i kind of put it together in my head right oh, it still looks all right you know but everybody else gets to see it yeah. so it's a pain it's a lot of commitment for everybody else to look at not yourself you know yeah. and, i mean i guess just knowing you got through it too is a thing you know like oh yeah i did it you know but like yeah to get people to you know i think a lot more people that go to tattoo conventions and show off and enter and stuff um they're more likely to do their ass and everything because they are going on stage showing the whole piece you know and it's such it's so more dramatic when it's like that you know and I think some people that go to conventions all the time and like serious collectors, they realize that, you know, so it's, it's, it's nice, you know, but I mean, Jeff Gogo, yeah, I mean, they're just knocking out bodysuits, you know, and, uh, that's that whole Japanese approach to it, you know, and it's getting, yeah, it's just educating your clients, you know, to do it. It was It's cool. Talking them into it. Come on, buddy. You know, yep. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> well, last question before we get to, um, you letting people know what's going on next for you and, and where they can get a hold of looking at some of your work and if they want to get tattooed by you. I'm curious, Paul Booth, Philip Liu, Guy Atchison, who's got the heaviest hand? Uh, Philip Liu. That's what I was going to put money on that. I was yeah. gonna, I would have put money on that. Yeah. I mean, when they were all three tattooing me they they were like, who hurts the worst right now? I was like, whoever the hell's on my shoulder, you know, <laughs> and they just all started laughing and they were like, all right, it's official. <laughs> yeah. At one point during the tattoo, he, I actually had to ask him, I never thought I would do this to somebody, you know, like, and now looking at it, it's so disrespectful, but I had to ask him to turn his machine down. Like, I'm like, dude, can you please turn that thing down? Cause it's just like, Rah! and he's like in my ribs, just like going for it with like a 45 mag, you know? Oh, and like, so he turns it down like a couple notches and then he puts it back in and I'm like, he's like, is that better? I'm like, Oh, so much better. You know? <laughs> like, Cause he's just trying to mow on me, you know? And I'm like, dude, can you please turn it down? And like, it, it was, yeah, it was funny though. Now that I look about it, I'm like, 
how can I ask fucking Philip Liu to turn his fucking machine down? You know what I mean? Like, that's just ridiculous. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. That is so, so – I'm sure you've had – That's that's got to be one of those highlights uh, of your career, that experience. Not the pain, but the experience and the and, the, and what you took from it. It's got to be one of those coolest experiences out of a shit ton that you've had in your career. Oh, for sure. It was one of the best ever. You know, these guys were even just um, – the way they worked with me with the pain and all of that, it, it taught me a lot about working with your client and being, you know, uh, Phillips, a very spiritual person. So to have him like, you know, he knows you're going through a lot. He would talk to me and be like, look, we're just going to do this. He was like, he had this soft voice about it. And just the way he worked with you, like his whole energy, you could totally feel it, you know? And I, I started learning that about with my clients and what they're going through too. You know, sometimes they're having a rough patch. It's all about your energy and how you, um, you know, and how you, you work with them to get through their, you know, get through their piece. And I learned a lot with them about doing that, you know, and, uh, and then not just that, just the art too of, uh, drawing it on and free flowing and in the moment using the shapes and everything man that was the first time i saw a 45 mag and i was like you're gonna use that on me or like get that thing away you know <laughs> <laughs> and uh it was just crazy you know and I, I left there just so i feel like sometimes when you get tattooed by people you absorb a little bit of the energy in their and and that style i don't know it's really weird you know i've gotten tattooed by people and i go home and i'm like oh like i get it i get what they're doing and the next few tattoos i'm like uh it feels like i'm copying them you know what i mean because yeah. it's like You've, you've almost like took a little bit of their mojo with you, you know, and I, I think that's a really big thing is to open it up your mind enough to to get that out of the experiences too, as an artist getting tattooed by another artist, you know, which is cool. Open-minded, what's next What's next for you, man, and, and where can people take a look at your work and, and get a hold of you if they'd like to get tattooed or set something up or even buy a piece of the artwork or something like that? Well, my website is uh, jbarba.net and then uh, my Instagram is at Jeremiah Barba and uh you know I'm always posting stuff and just trying to keep uh just trying to keep uh, relevant man like uh I've been doing this a long time so it's hard to just keep up with these kids so you know just uh that social media aspect is huge so I try to keep on top of that my website yeah I always put paintings up for sale stuff like that and it has links on there to get a hold of me for appointments and um you know I'm in I'm in Sunset Beach California and I got a rad private studio now that's uh right on the water so you look uh, when you're getting tattooed you look at the canal there's uh paddle boarders and uh kayakers going by and it's just a really good environment you know mm -hmm. and uh, i've been really excited about it. i've only been here like six months and it's i feel like i'm getting to another level now like i can concentrate on my clients more and my art i don't have 10 12 artists around me um so it's it's great man and i'm looking forward to the future of what i can do if you know, if I can take it another level or if I'm topped out, I don't know, you know what I mean? But I've got a lot of things flowing right now and I'm stoked on that, you know, and uh, just really right now concentrating on um, trying to get back into a few conventions a year. And uh, I got London Tattoo Convention coming up, uh, Hell City and Phoenix coming up, um, the Golden State uh, Tattoo Expo that's coming up too. So those are the next ones I got planned right now. And then uh, that's about it, man. Just trying to stay put and trying to work on my people here too, you know, in California, and mm -hmm. and uh, just trying to get better, man. Every day I'm learning, dude. Learning still every day, man. And that's like that's a huge key in this business, you know. It's never 
never stop learning, man. You really got to pay attention to people's work. And a lot of people don't know, but I, you know, I, I sit down and study tattoos, you know, like I look on Instagram, I'm like, okay, what do they do there? What do they do here? You know? And I think that's huge, man. You know, uh, a lot of people need to do that, you know, and study people's work. And that's what it's all about. And talk to other artists, you know, now people are willing to give you a lot of the information and that's rad when, you know, when we were younger, that wasn't possible, you know, the, the dawn of the seminars, you know, came around and you could take seminars at every convention and just get, get rad, you know, it's cool. It's a great, uh, it's a great time, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see how everything's going to go with the, with the industry, you know. It is a great time. Thank you, Jeremiah. I appreciate it very much. Great, Thank great you. attitude, great artwork. It's wonderful tattoos, man. I really appreciate you taking the time and, and getting it in with me here in, on Sullen Radio. And um, I wish you all the best, man. And I'm excited for a trip down south and I can come and see your little private studio and hang out for a minute. Awesome, man. I look forward to it, too. And thank you, man. It was a great conversation. I'd love to do it again sometime, too, man. If you, yeah. ever, need, you ever need me to fill in, I'll, I'll do another one. Dude, I'm, <laughs> uh, I will, man. I'm going to keep you on speed dial, brother. There you go. We've got lots to talk about, man. Lots of history, you know? Definitely. Thank you, dude. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at OG Joe Swanson. And make sure to tune in next week for another episode of Sullen Radio. Keep hustling, everybody. If you're in the L.A. area on Saturday, August 15th, check out Tattoos Cure Cancer presents The Art of the Machine. Tattoo machines and paintings from artists like Jimmy Whitlock, Chris Marchetto, Chris Gov, Morgan Russell... Plus music from tattooer Corey Miller and legendary skateboarder Steve Alva's band Powerflex 5. Saturday, August 15th at the Black Rose Tavern in L.A. Come check out Tattoos Cure Cancer presents The Art of the Machine, a benefit to support St. Jude's Children's Hospital.